<laughs> Potato mateys. <laughs> Welcome to Divine, a development and design podcast focused around the web with some other little nugs of info around small business and some other stuff. I'm Nick. I run a Lynx Digital, which is a small digital agency in Melbourne. And this is Tomo Jomo. Hi, everyone. My name's Tom. Um, I think it's Tomo Jomo, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a branding-focused graphic designer based in the, the Commons, which is a co-working space out in Collingwood here. Yeah, cool. And today we're going to talk about type. And I think this is probably the most excited Tom's ever been about an episode. He lives and breeds type in an unhealthy manner. Mm-hmm. But before we get into it, uh, Tommy, what have you been doing in the past week, mate? The last week has been pretty hectic, a lot on with work. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just talking earlier about how awesome it is to start to see a project being realised. So yeah, starting off with the, you know, putting together some some bits and pieces for a brand identity. Uh-huh. Sometimes it can, all the elements can seem a little isolated or not as though they're kind of out in the wild right. or like have have a have a sense of cohesiveness. And then you start mm-hmm. to see it applied on a website and and to some packaging or print and see it as this kind of whole environment that you've created it's really satisfying yeah nice well actually didn't one of your clients the other day just go um take some of the branding work you've done and sort of as an exercise just went to office works and got it printed on heaps of stuff yeah that was really cool to see yeah that was really cool just like for an internal launch Mm -hmm. went off and printed some stickers and made a stamp and um a bunch of notepads and pens and all these applications that was really cool that's sick even from just a like Obviously, they're enthused about it, which is sick. Like, that's, yeah, it's awesome yeah, to, yeah. To, to, you know, see a client excited about yeah, the branding. Um, another huge thing that happened today, I just locked in a type design intensive for two weeks starting in April. So that's only like a month away. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to jump into that. And it's pretty relevant to our talk today. <laughs> just um, a little bit, yeah. 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 <laughs> How's your week been, man? Yeah, pretty good. Um, we've been on a big push around sort of talking to other digital agencies around Melbourne and Australia, just trying to sort of, I guess, create some partnerships um, and see whether we can share some knowledge or some stories or, or whatever that looks like. So that's actually been really, really fun. We've been, uh, spoken to some really great people, one guy in particular who was a legend, um, so that's been really exciting, and we've already sort of got a referral from him. So that's been really good. So I think we're going to sort of push that angle a little more. And it's it's cool to see sort of uh, people in the same industry, even in, you know, in the same markets, working with the same clients, actually working together as opposed to seeing each other as the enemy. I think that's been really really cool. Um, For and that's, sure. And that's something I think that comes as developers quite a lot, like something like Stack Overflow, or whatever. Um, but then seeing that in the real world and business has been really really cool. So um, that's been really fun. What was it that drove you to take that initiative to uh, reach really, out to agencies? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it was part of the goal setting that we do every quarter, definitely, was yeah. was a big part of it. Um, and, yeah, just we, we have a current relationship with a digital agency, or well, maybe not a digital agency, but an agency that works a lot in digital stuff and a lot of different sort of arms of this agency. And we do a lot of their digital work um, or they're specifically their web work, and that's been a really great relationship. So we just thought, hey, let's find more of them, basically. Yeah, so that's been really good. Um, but yeah, otherwise, heaps of quoting, heaps of proposals over the past two weeks, and now it's all just landing. So things are going to be crazy for a little while. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, that's been really good. Actually, I had my best week of cycling to to work last week every day, and then a little bit extra as well. So nailed it. Cool. All right. Well, so today, yeah, as we said, we're going to talk about type. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if this this actually is going to go down a rabbit hole, but Tom, <laughs> when was the first time you got introduced into type? Yeah. 
It's interesting because it's um, <laughs> it catches people off guard sometimes. My um, introduction to typography or my obsession with lettering began when I was a juvenile delinquent. <laughs> I was really into graffiti, um, so that was kind of where it began. Um, so I was probably like 10 years old and would obsess over the million different ways you could create a single letter. Yeah, right. And how there'd be this underlying structure. You know, it starts with a pencil sketch and you've drawn out like kind of this wacky stroke mm-hmm. and slowly built it up to to become a more colourful or fully realised thing because really like those super colourful, more widely appreciated forms of graffiti mm-hmm. are basically the refined version of the tag. Right. Yeah, so yeah, I always, yeah, I always yeah. find it interesting when people are like, oh, those tags are gross, uh-huh. but I love the colourful yeah, stuff. And okay. it's like, yeah, but that comes yeah, from the You can't the have same one without the other. Spot. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like the tag's the really quick version of the yeah, fully okay. realised sketch. Interesting, yep. Um, but anyway, that's where it started. And as I went through life and kind of got exposed to more and more examples of typography I eventually fell in love with um I guess the more sophisticated variety or more socially <laughs> the acceptable. more legal one yeah <laughs> but I, I think the interest remains the same it's just obsessed okay. uh, uh, obsessed with how kind of yeah letters can take so many different forms mm. to create words that we use to communicate and how and I, I think that's where it ended for me with graffiti a little bit is that it's kind of the tone of voice is similar Right. Over and over and over, very similar tone of voice. Right, okay. Whereas once you dive into typography, you can express, you know, your message with a completely different tone of voice, uh-huh. depending uh-huh. on which typeface you choose or yeah, decisions you make with the typography. Yeah, cool. And so I think yeah, one of the things that I not not always struggled with, but I guess always wondered about, and, and as a developer, definitely it happens a lot. Is okay. T- Basically, what the hell's the difference? What what is fonts? What are typefaces? What are families? What are, what is like all those little pieces? Yeah, and what do they all really mean? Because... For sure, uh, I guess a, a common misunderstanding is that everything related to typography is a font, and it's like, what font is that? And uh-huh. It's like, well, that was hand lettered. That was custom made for this brief, or, right. or that's Helvetica bold at thirty two point mm-hmm. point. That's the font. But Helvetica itself is the typeface. Yeah, okay. So the typeface would be sort of like that whole cabinet with all the different drawers in it, with all the different Helvetica things that you could have, like bold, italic, blah, 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 all the different point sizes. Yeah, if yeah, anything, okay. it's like, okay, Helvetica's the start, yeah. but then you can keep zooming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, there's so many different layers. And some of these typefaces have have been so considered. You know, there's, there's so many different cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's often why you'll hear some of the same ones pop up. It's because they spent like 10 years figuring right. it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of them are like Helvetica, Futura, you know, just just things off the top of my head where it extends so far from super heavy to super thin. Mm-hmm. And so I guess it's kind of contextual as well, right, because people will say font when they really mean typeface, but it's just become the sort of the word that you use. Yeah, and I mean, increasingly it's like the lines blurring between what people actually care about. You yeah, know, even okay. even graphic designers are like, oh, whatever, Just, font, yeah, typeface, who cares? Mm-hmm. But I guess if you want to be a purist about it, typeface yeah, yeah. refers to the whole family of yeah, yeah, cool. variation. Yeah, okay. And so then 
and then a font foundry. So it's not a place where you forge metal, but well, actually, I guess it was right. Is that is that the thing? Absol- like, yeah, so I a font mean- foundry is because they were pouring lead into molds and shit. Well, eventually, I guess um, it would have been the result of thousands and thousands of sketches mm, mm. before they'd land on you know what any particular font would look like. Yeah, but I mean, like, is that the word, though? Foundries coming from the fact that it was it pr- forged. Yeah, like prob- I, probably is. I reckon that's probably what it is. I'm not, I'm not going to state it. Yeah, I'm stating it. Certainly. The, the, the origin of the word font foundries. Is- because, well, it makes sense, right? Because so many of the terms are like... <laughs> the old ref- school ones. Referring to that time, like leading. Exactly, exactly. Being the space between the lines of text <laughs> refers to, like, slabs of lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be placed in there. Yeah. It's funny, I didn't even think about that until I just sort of read that word again and was like, oh, that's actually a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, what what about foundries are you interested in? Well, like, what is one? Because, I mean, yeah, like, you hear some names thrown around, but is it, like, what it, is, I don't know what it is. What is it? Is it, like, like is it a company that, that does this? Yeah, I guess so. Or, like, it's a, a place where a particular set of typefaces have been created and they're licensed and uh-huh. some of them are really really good some of them are known for a particular style or like right right and some of them are more like a a kind of marketplace i guess for a range of fonts i'm not sure whether they'd be considered founders yeah yeah, Yeah, probably not so i guess yeah okay and so yeah and i guess then that begs a question of licensing which then falls over into development as well but like font licensing is one or typeface. Like no, it's like I guess it is font licensing, well, right? Because you, you license each. You're licensing each font yeah, at a yeah. time. Okay, and yeah. considering each each weight and whatever. Although with point sizes, though, that's probably not. That's not a thing. Yeah. Okay. But that's okay. Yeah. Like it, you'd still have to go through and be like, all right, we want Helvetica bold and yeah. we want Helvetica light. Yeah. And would you have to do stuff for um, italics as well? Do you have to license that separately, or does yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because one thing that I'm not sure if it. I'm pretty sure you can like. Um, falsely italicized text. Oh, okay. You just like slanted over. Yeah, but that's big no-no. <laughs> Particularly if you look at like a, type, a, a typeface like um, Kaslan or like Bodoni or like some of these gorgeous old typefaces. Mm-hmm. We're talking like at least 500 years old now. Jeez. What are we? No, maybe a little bit younger. I mean, Bodoni's like 200 odd. Right. Yeah, don't don't pull me anyway, up on dates. Yep. But they have like you know their regular is done in, in a particular way, and then you look at italic, and it's this whole different right, thing. Every right. letter, every letter has a completely different uh-huh. character, yet still related. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you couldn't take you know Caslin regular and just be like oblique now. Yeah, okay. you're on an angle because yeah, yeah. it's just like a digital average of the letters. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, I mean, with sans serifs, it's less obvious, but it's still not yep. not that cool because yep. it basically means like. It's just been digitally shifted on an angle mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, thousands of sketches for each letter yeah, to yeah, figure yeah. out what the best kind of mm-hmm. distribution of weight is and all the other things, of course. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, so, like, back to licensing as well. So I think the interesting thing, at least I see in the developer world a lot, is people just not giving a shit about licensing. I think, it, it, to me, it's a little bit like the music industry and pirating, right? Like mm. when it's really easy to buy and use a font, people will do it, but it's because it's really hard and a developer doesn't put the 10 minutes of effort into actually go and do it and blah, 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 and they don't do it and so they don't pay for the fonts. But I feel that now with things or something like um, the cloud, subscri- Adobe um, 
Creative Cloud subscription, yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, cool, like I'm happy to pay this if I can easily well, get access a, to these fonts. It's a nominal fee. Yeah, exactly, for exactly. What you get access to. Yeah. And so was, I guess the thing about licensing is that it's different for, well, depending, I guess, maybe which foundry you go to, but it's different for web versus um, if you wanted to use it in a logo or if you wanted to use it in print or like, so how does that sort of work normally? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on the prestige of the foundry. Right. Um, some have a reputation for just producing outstanding typography. Mm-hmm. Um and charge a premium. And it's also because they, they can charge such a premium because they don't want to be accessible to everyone. They right, don't want to okay. be... So it's a bit premium sort of positioned. For, sh- for sure. Yeah, and, right. and they only want to provide their kind of aesthetic to people or brands that value their craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, okay. So one in, one in particular that I've purchased a license for recently was Lenetto, this Swiss type foundry and you know it's like 700 bucks for a license for the logo so you could only use it in a logo single you couldn't use, use single organization nothing to do with any other application right. that was pretty much to have it on my desktop and for it to be the particular weight of the typeface mm-hmm. so we're talking like bold of this typeface yeah. or medium i think it was in the end um for this particular business and so in, that in Australia, and so that logo could be used sort of on any kind of media and whatever anywhere, as long as it was just just the logo. Is that how it works? Uh, I think there would be some applications where there'd be associated um, additions to the licensing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this this foundry in particular have just well, they understand the value of their craft. You know, yep. they know that in certain spaces it adds commercial value, and so they've set up their pricing accordingly. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot to take in to go from like fonts are free to like 100%. oh my god like <laughs> this is seven hundred bones yeah. for like one logo you know <laughs> yeah that's pretty crazy yeah did you license that for the web as well or? Uh, I will yeah. and there'll be more fees for that yeah, yeah, yeah. for like for medium and for light or I think it's, it'll be bold and book or whatever the mm-hmm. weights are. And this actually this brings up an interesting topic which I always like to pick people's brains about and that's when you've got. A project that you're running, for instance, which would be, I guess, like a brand design for this company you're working with or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, and then you're like, okay, well, we're going to go through this process. There's going to be a cost for these fonts or there's going to be a cost for something here. We're not exactly sure what it is yet and we're going to take that into consideration as we're sort of exploring what options there are. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I find that process of having some unknowns in that project kind of like uh, quite difficult Yeah, well, hard it's to it, navigate. Yeah, and I guess like the, the way around that or like, the lesson learned there is to manage expectations from mm. the start. So mm. now whenever I'm kind of talking about a project and, and font licensing comes up or I bring it up, mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah, the line is basically there's like, it's likely that there will be costs associated with font licensing. It's normally between like zero and $50. Yeah. But there are some premium cuts, which I will bring into the conversation, right, which okay. will be yep. up to $1,000. Right. <clears throat> And I will bring them in because they're bloody beautiful. (laughs) The amount of times I've put a premium typeface or font on the table and it gets knocked back. Yeah, yeah. It's a sad time. It's pretty common. Don't get to spend that money on it. Yeah. One day. And so then I guess that brings us to uh, free fonts, basically, which is probably the main leader is Google at the moment, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, Google's the easiest to navigate. Um, But you can still download them onto your desktop and turn them into logos. Yeah, yeah. That's all fine. The only issue there is that a lot of Google fonts are based on 
the the real heroes right. of like typographic history. Right. Okay. So there'll be a cut like that's very clearly a take on Futura. Um, and it's just not quite there compared to Futura. Is that what you're saying? Or? Well, yeah, it's just yeah. optically yeah, off okay. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. based on you know these 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 trials that were performed in you know in very thorough detail. Um, and and it's fine. I mean, it, I think it's cool that typography is more accessible and there's more to the kind of um, everyday person's palette than just a list of fonts in Microsoft Word because I yeah, think yeah. prior to Google Fonts, which was only like 2010 yeah, I was reading, yeah. it, it hasn't been around for that long. It hasn't. Um, people's understanding of typography was essentially that top 10 fonts that you get in Microsoft Word. With windings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And... and, and People. And Comic Sans being the hero, of course. <laughs> and in me seeing people, I'm just referring to, I guess, people of my generation. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Google Fonts is really cool, um, mm. and they're providing, you know, support for for lang- languages that have never been supported before. Oh, really? So yeah, that's, okay. That's really cool. Yeah, like, cool. I remember when we were working on that, um, mm. that project, we had to find a... A typeface that worked for Taiwanese, Ta- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was through Google Fonts that we found a solution that looked at least in the same neighbourhood as yeah, um, yeah. the initial kind of recommended typography palette. Mm-hmm. And hey, I, yeah, so I actually read something the other day from um, Adobe Creative Cloud talking about how that. Um, their terms of use, quote unquote, their terms of use currently permits agency reselling until December thirty first, two thousand and nineteen. After that time, your client would need their own Creative Cloud subscription to use web font hosting. Yeah. So I think that's that's been one of the biggest ones I've seen around is Creative Cloud fonts, um, and they've been really good. But it seems like, and I was speaking to a, um, a designer friend of mine, and he was like, oh, "I've never even heard of this before." Even, and he's quite active on Twitter and stuff like that. And he's like, "I'm kind of surprised that I've never really heard that this is." "Quote unquote," coming to an end in a way, and that they're requiring people or everybody to have their own CC subscription, which at least in Australia is thirty bucks a month to get the fonts. Yeah, um, is that all for Creative Cloud? So there's like a few different stages. One of them, I think, so thirty bucks a month is the second one, and that gives you one of the applications, and oh, then okay. and then the fonts I'm as well. Just, yeah, I'm diving straight into thinking that I need a bajillion yeah. all the programs. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but there's no, like, separate fonts one either, so you've got to actually you end up paying for a subscription for, like, Photoshop or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, that and gets then, up there. We're talking, like, 360 bucks a year. It's not nothing. I mean, more than that, right? And not only that, but it's managing it as well. Just the idea of having another account with another provider that you've got to have your fonts on, you've got to transfer it over to the client. Like, that's another whole step. And, you know, I feel like this hasn't – well, at least as far as I'm aware, it wasn't sort of completely um, – communicated really because mm. a lot of all the people i speak to have no idea that it's actually going to happen in you know by the end of the year yeah i guess it's still pretty far away but still it's it's a consideration oh for sure yeah. like it's on the horizon yeah and i is. guess what i've kind of come to think through the last kind of bunch of branding projects i've worked on is that it really is case by case mm-hmm. you know every single typeface has different kind of licensing tied to it right as we realized we we're trying to find a casual kind of handwritten font for a project and <laughs> i just put something forward that i found through adobe fonts and 
And then we went, we drilled into licensing it for someone who didn't have this subscription. It was like $980 for this pretty average looking, you know, pedestrian handwritten um, font. Um, So, yeah, it's very much case by case. And I wouldn't personally bank on any kind of third party. To yep. cover licensing, yeah, yeah. Even even with putting forward a, an Adobe font, I'd be looking into like, all right, well, what is actually, you know, what's the licensing agreement for Caslin Pro? Mm-hmm. You know, bold, yeah. Because yeah. sometimes it's like, yeah, it's sweet for desktop licensing, but we don't offer web licensing. Yeah. Oh, okay. And if right. you get through a pr- branding process yeah. and you've gotten a concept across the line, it's like, <laughs> oh no, like now I need to come up with a, a serif typeface that's as classic as Kaslan yeah, there's nothing, yeah. you know? Yeah, right. I mean, there are, but <laughs> <laughs> we can talk about that another time. So I think one of the other things, so after I've been hanging out with Tom a lot, one of those classic things that a designer always does is points to every billboard that you walk past and says, oh my God, that's the most ugly use of this type or the yeah, Koenig's out. or the ruining your perception of beauty. Exactly right. I just can't look at anything now without hating it. <laughs> but one of the funny things I think from a development perspective as well is that there's all these words um, relating to type that designers or, or whatever use that developers use, but they're different words because we use it in CSS. And so as an example... Um, so we, uh, in CSS at least, we have letter spacing as a property. Yeah, right. And so what do you guys call that? Are you referring to, it'd be like the overall spacing between all letters? Correct. Yeah, so that's tracking. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so that's so that's referring to the space between any two letters. So not specific letters, just the general space that's between any two letters of anything, no matter what it is. So as, a, as an example, if you were to increase the letter spacing, then you're increasing the letter spacing between every single word of, uh, sorry, every single letter of that word. So they're all sort of growing at the same time. Yeah, correct. Yeah. But there needs to be like more than two letters for that. To of be, course. Be a thing. Yeah. yeah. And when is the one time that you use letter spacing, which is great? Um, I think it works well when you're working with all caps. Yeah. But I wouldn't go too far either. Okay. There's just this sweet spot. But yeah, I think yeah. there are cases where it often doesn't work is lowercase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it's because there's this, you know, lowercase by nature, there's all these different shapes and the negative uh, space okay, gets pretty right. wild. Yeah, Whereas okay. if it's all caps, you've kind of, you're dealing with a block and the negative spaces, if, if close enough, it can be quite beautiful. Yeah, okay. I never but, actually thought about it like that. That's interesting. But if it's lowercase, it's like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a roller coaster a, going. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, as a general rule, like you can always break the rules, but I think generally I would recommend against wide tracking on lowercase type. Yeah, yeah. And I think pretty much whenever, anytime I'm in CSS and I'm hitting text transform uppercase, I'm always doing letter spacing 0.5 picks every single time. Yeah, it's a tiny one. By default. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. So then what about actually, you know what, and I was researching this earlier because I'm actually not that great at fonts, but there was a property that I'd actually never heard of called font kerning in CSS. Yeah, right. And by default, it's in auto, I think, which means that the browser gets to decide whether or not they want to apply the font kerning to that mm-hmm. particular part. Um, and I think that what will happen is um, with really, really small text, they'll turn the kerning off, um, but larger text, they'll turn it on. It's, mm-hmm. It wasn't really clear exactly when, when that happens. But but so kerning 
Is well, did you want to explain what kerning is? I guess well, it's the space between individual letters, okay. as opposed to like the whole word, right? And consistent spacing between each letter, or like even equal. Um, kerning is focusing on like the space between two letters, like a pair of yeah, okay, so and a pair of letters. Looking at the relationship between their individual kind of anatomy shapes, and, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, how- and and really, it's a study of the negative space yeah, rather yeah, than yeah, the yeah. positive. Yeah. You're looking at the space that's filled between the letters. Like if mm-hmm. you could shade that space, you yep. want to try and get optically even space. It's not mathematical. You mm-hmm. can't do mm-hmm. it by math despite many efforts. Right. It's very much like thinking about it without overthinking it, what optically feels right. Yeah. And it's it's funny the, the, the amount of trials that designers go through to get the kind of kerning right. You know, and a common one is you turn the logo upside down. And you see what the, the letters look oh, okay. like. And I say logo because that's like, that's where the kerning has to be on point. Yeah, you know, yeah, if this yeah. mark's going to uh-huh. be repeated a million times, it has to be bang on. So, yeah, you'll, I don't know, turn it up upside down. Look so, at I guess that means, so when, when, when you turn it upside down, I guess that's sort of like it's reducing your normal look at letters as letters, right? They just become shapes a little bit more. So, maybe that yeah. helps that. Well, and yeah, and it, it helps to study that space between them. And, mm. and then you flip it back around and you're like, okay, that's working better. Yeah, okay. You make it really small and see what it looks like at a tiny scale. You'll print it out and pin it up on the wall and right, take right. your, you know, stand back a few metres. And, yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, it's amazing the lengths that you need to go to to get your eye right for it. Or, yeah, or to, yeah, definitely. And get that's, the spacing right. And that's one of those things... That I, I see pop up a lot in design is that everybody in the world basically sees these really nicely designed and well kerned logos and whatever they might be, and just thinks, "Oh, that's just typed out and that's what it is." But actually, mm-hmm. there's lots of stuff that's gone into that to actually make it look so nice, and we're just spoilt by niceness with all these big brands spending so much money on doing these sorts of things. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, particularly like, I guess not not that recently, but in recent tish times of been reading through books like Designing Type by Karen Chang and basically she puts forward like a study of every letter uppercase and lowercase in both serif and sans serif <laughs> and it's there we realize that every letter has a different kind of character right like sometimes it borrows from other letters and mm-hmm. there are, there are you know you figure out six letters and you've kind of can adapt it to the rest of the alphabet but it's also, yeah, pretty amazing to realise that any two letters together is like this new kind of right. um, design problem. Yeah, this new solve. figure that has to look good. Yeah, these two forms that have mm. to work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then how do they work as the whole word or in the context of the whole design? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, cool. And so another one we touched on before was um, leading. Or yeah. do you remember what that's in uh, CSS? Line height. Oh, my boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but but increasingly referred to as line height. Oh, really? I, yeah, I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Fair enough. But yeah, and so that's a pretty common one, I guess. Um, and I think an interesting thing about line height, at least from a development perspective, is that what you try and do with line height is keep it with, um, well, make it unitless. And so what I mean by that is when you set the line height of something you'll set it to 1.1 or 1.2 just with no units, which is, yeah. I guess, a multiplier really or a percentage. Um, 
yeah, but it's one of those units that you want to keep that way. So then, you know, if, if the font size does change, then you've always just got that ratio basically to work with, which usually is pretty close unless you're doing crazy different sizes. Yeah. And, I mean, it can depend on the the, the typeface as definitely, well. Definitely, definitely. And, and, and the, the particular weight of the typeface, like something I've noticed recently is like Futura book needs to be smaller than other... Right, okay. ...other cuts yep. for body copy mm-hmm. for whatever reason it's mm-hmm. just i think it has a really tall x height yeah okay that's what's that x height is like the um well it's actually the height of the lowercase x right okay yeah in any yep, yep, kind yep. of mm-hmm. um typeface design and then that's and then the one above that is the cap height right which is the, the top of the like a t or whatever um i think the cap height would be the the height of a capital letter Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, isn't yeah? What I'm saying, like well, a capital could be, T, for yeah, instance. capital T, yeah, or just sure. that, that that top line, basically of yeah, accounting for the fact that like any letter with a curve, a C might go above it on the top, goes slightly above, yeah. like it's by a hairline, yeah, yeah, but that's to optically appear on the same line. Mm-hmm. So if you ever like create letters from scratch and haven't explored typography much, like I definitely used to do this. You'll set like a, a height at the top and bottom. And or like a ruler at the top and bottom of a word, for instance. Yeah. Yeah, and like let's just say you've got C N, and or C T, and like the T's got a really flat top and the C's got a curved top. If the curve at the top of the C was directly in line with the top of the T, it would look way smaller. Yeah. 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 Whereas if you bump it up a little bit at the top and the bottom, it's going to look optically the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah. X height refers to the height of the lowercase x. Um, and that's often a good measure for understanding the character of a typeface or right, understanding okay. an aspect of the character of a typeface. Yeah, yeah. Because it relates to the lowercase letters. You know, so a really tall X height um, and like a relatively similar cap height will define the character of one. Yeah, okay. Like one. That comes to mind is Brandon Grotesque. It has a, a really tall cap height and really low X height. Oh, okay. And so the, there's this wild right, contrast. Yep, yep, yep. But anyway, that's probably getting a bit granular. <laughs> so there's this concept in web dev called FOUT, F-O-U-T, which is a flash of unstyled text. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so a flash of unstyled text is, I guess, as it says, but it's when you load a web page and you sort of see all the text appear and then it jumps a little bit and changes um, typeface into the one that they meant for it to be in. So what's happened is the font or the, the fonts that you'd put in there weren't downloaded quick enough, so it ended up showing the fallback font. Oh, yeah. And then once it does download, then sort of the whole web page then change or all the text on the web page changes, and then that can change a lot of different things. You know, obviously, if there's different um, different tracking and letter spacing and whatever, then obviously it's going to push things around and move things, and you'll end up, you know, moving whole segments or whole divs or pieces of HTML because yeah. you've got text wrapping around and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so that used to be like a really big problem that we'd have to deal with in terms of yeah, trying to load the fonts the best way and doing all that. At least now these days, browsers are pretty good at sort of doing that themselves and figuring it out. And if they're loading a font, I mean, well, I'm not 100% this is how it works, but this is what I expect is that if the browser's 
got a font that it's trying to download and it knows in its CSS somewhere that you've attributed that font to something, it's probably going to say, okay, let's just not show that text until that font's downloaded. Yeah. So I'm not sure where the boundaries of that would be, like whether you took you know a minute to download a font, like what the browser would do or anything like that. Yeah, I wonder whether there's a parallel between that and like kind of how long a browser waits to load a mobile video yeah, before yeah. it displays the fallback image. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I wonder what kind of cutoff is built into that or whether you can set that. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, like in terms of the video and image thing, you definitely set that yourself. Right. But it's with these fonts, it's actually the browser does it. So interestingly enough, I've actually... I don't think I've ever actually had to deal with this fout before. Um, it's never just come up. I'm not exactly sure why or why it hasn't, but never had to deal with it. And yeah, so, right. and it's just the browser, I guess, being smart about understanding that it needs to display one and waiting for it to download and whatever. And that comes down to as well, when you're making fonts for web, you've got to think about, okay, what characters or what character sets am I going to use? And, in, and by that, I mean, you know, is it just going to be um, Latin characters or do we need all the others for different languages and all that kind of stuff? Because that can really blow out your font size files. Yeah. Um, and it can make a big difference. So trying to limit that is definitely yeah, a, a good trim tactic. Yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is that, um, I guess those kind of options are provided to you when you're setting up a package of fonts within Google Fonts, right? Yeah, so that's... It's funny. So back in the day, the the best website for all that kind of stuff was Font Squirrel. And yeah. what you do is you'd up- still kind of has a presence. It's yeah. still there. And yeah. honest to God, I still use it probably just because I always have and I just yeah. love using it. But you end up, you know, getting spit out this, um, the different font files, which these days are the WOFFs, um, which stand for- Woff. What are they? The WOFs. The WOF dogs. Um, the web- Oh, man, I can't even actually remember this. What is it? The uh, Web Open Font Format, WOF. Yeah. And so that, I guess it's like a open source style font format. Um, but yeah, that'll spit out one of them. It'll spit out a WOF 2. And then I think it also will do a true type um, font, which is an old Windows style of font, and an EOT, EOT, which is really old. Um, I don't think people actually use that anymore. OTF. Uh, OTF. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's that as well, isn't there? Yeah. Open font type, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, but so Fonts Grill, you just upload a file and you get all these fonts out of it. And that always works really well. And the great thing about that as well is you actually get, um, if you upload some of the same um, typefaces in different weights, it will collate them correctly. So when you're using import, uh, sorry, when you're using at font face in your CSS, right, to define some fonts, so you'll say at font face and you'll give the name of the typeface. And then below that, you'll say these are all the different files and the different file types for this same um, cut of this font. So it mm. might be like, okay, a regular weight, um, um, HK Grotesque, for instance, and then you play, like, yeah, this is the WAF file, this is the WAF 2 file, this is the EOT file, et cetera, et cetera. And then you also define and say, okay, hey, this is the regular weight and um, the, it's not italic, for instance. And then you'll do that same thing, that same declaration, and at the top of the font face, you'll have the same name, HK Grotesque, but then lower, lower down, you'll have font weight light, for instance, and then you'll have the light files in there. Mm. And so doing it that way means then that when you go in CSS and style something as HK Grotesque, you can set it as 400 weight or 300 weight, and it'll understand the differences and use the different fonts or the different um, weights for that stuff you've put in CSS. But going back to the file types um, these days... Most people are saying just to use WAF and WAF 2. So mm. with those two, you can get everywhere down to IE 9 and above. So it's pretty much... And I think IE 8, at least in Australia, has 0.05% of the market or something like that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's not not massive. 
Yeah, and pretty much by the t- if you know if you're on i8, the website's going to look completely screwed anyway, probably. Yeah. So I your found- font's the least if you worry. <laughs> I found that quite interesting the first time I encountered it though the the numeric value associated with like a weight. Right. Yeah. In a, yeah. In yeah. A typeface, so mm-hmm. you can be like. You know, there's this clear parallel between, like, you know, if there's a really well-executed typeface or considered, I'm not necessarily going to say that it's amazing just because it has a range of cuts. Mm-hmm. But if you can get from 100 to, what, 900 yeah. or 800? Nine, yeah. Each, it's every 100. Yeah, correct. That's the increment. So you can go 100 being super light. It's like hair hairs mm-hmm. scanned in. Up to 900, it's like ultra bold and everything in between is 200 300 400 500 that's like a that's a that's a cool parallel i think between you know how these different fonts or these different weights of a typeface were created to how it translates to the web yeah 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 and and going back to sort of adding fonts like i was talking about using font face um but there's quite well there's another well another two main ways of adding fonts to a page or to a to a website and that's using like the at import url rule and that's when you're in your css and then you can also use like a link tag in your html as well and there's just been so much debate about these three ways of doing it and which one's quicker and what one's the best and it's almost i think i think it's one of those things where it's you're over optimizing something that probably doesn't have that much of an effect on anything and, yeah, okay. you know, it's just a bit like who cares anymore at this point. Yeah. Um, and I think the main thing for me, considering that's such a small optimization, the main thing for me as a developer is where does it make most sense to house these things from a semantic point of view? Uh, favorite word, there we yeah. go again. <laughs> Semantics. <laughs> um, but, you know, like if it's, if you're importing it sort of in your HTML as a, sorry, if you're linking it in your HTML, um, the benefit of that is, well, at least, you know, it's it's semi-global in a way. Like, you know, it's in the head of the HTML document. It's going to be there on every header, basically. So it's always going to be there. You sort of kind of expect it to know where it is. And it's yeah. in the HTML, it's easy to find. And one of the other benefits of that is, I guess, you know, if you're serving dynamic pages using PHP or some other backend language, you can actually modify those link tags sort of on runtime, meaning you could serve different fonts at different times or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's one way of doing HTML. And the other one is using... Um, at font faces, which I think is more popular, um, and that's you know, the, and that's in your CSS. So it sort of makes sense to some degree that the styling for your text will be where the CSS is because that's styling your text in a way. So I think yeah, that's that's a two different ways of doing it, and yeah, but I think it's definitely the font faces the the more popular one. It is, yeah, it just makes more sense, you know. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, I guess it's referencing like the the typeface in mm. condensed, mm. Yeah. you know, message. Um, I got a bone bone to pick, or, or rather, something I need to just clear up here. Um, Defont. Defont. As a as a thing that tell exists. us all about it. Well, I mean, this is the depressive part of this podcast, <laughs> and now we're going to get really. Serious. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure there are cases where it, it's worked well. Well, what is it? Defont's just a space where anyone can upload fonts that they've created. Um, it could just be hand handwriting scanned into Photoshop and mm-hmm. then exported into Illustrator and auto traced with a million anchor points. Uh-huh. Um, basically, it's like the general standard is very low. Yeah, okay. It's accessible. There's no issues. Well, there probably are issues with licensing. Actually, <laughs> some fonts are based on 
company's logos. Yeah, yeah. They've okay. taken four letters and turned it into right. an alphabet. Yeah, okay. That's completely outside of any kind of licensing. Um, the reason I diss it is just if there's no money available, go to Google Fonts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because there you don't have to worry about licensing. Mm-hmm. Sure, like a lot of the the typefaces are based on classics and not as good. Yeah. But you can still communicate in a yeah. variety of tones. You get 90% of the way there. I wouldn't say 90, <laughs> but you can certainly execute things well. Yeah. I wouldn't say you need access to Primo fonts uh-huh. to execute graphic design effectively. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. But I would say avoid the font. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a big diss. Like, I don't know. Maybe like there are maybe there are cases though. I don't want to be like blanket. This is a bad resource because it's obviously there and operating, and it's been around for a long time. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't mean it's good though. I feel like you can just make not, the claim. Not necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I'm always open to the other side. Like, yeah, I'd, love, I'd love to hear from someone to be like, you know what? You're wrong. Defont is primo. Absolutely. So well, I can tell them they're they're wrong. Well, exactly. You know, tag us on Twitter, but we don't actually have a Twitter, so don't do that. <laughs> yeah, like but... and like and subscribe <laughs> on our zero channels. <laughs> Um, but yeah, without just saying Defont is the worst. Mm-hmm. If you have no money, or if there's no budget for the project, rather, um, Google Fonts great alternative. Mm. If you have a little bit of budget, My Fonts. It's like 150 bucks a year. You have access to some beautiful fonts. A lot of the oh, classics okay. being, you know, straight off the top of my head. There's like a list of 20. It's uh, uh, what's it referred to as like the 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 Vignelli 20. Um, or whatever. But some of them are... Massimo Vignelli's like this awesome graphic designer known for his typographic minimalism and he's kind of created a list and shared it with the world and he's like, you could use these 10 typefaces for the rest of your life and be able to communicate in all the tones you need to. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of those are on there, like Helvetica, Futura, you know, Kaslan, Garamond, whatever. Right. My font's great. Um... And then if you have a lot of budget, you can look at some of the premium foundries, you know, yeah. the, the more affordable end. You've got like Grilly Type and, and Colophon Foundry, but they bill in pounds, which means everything's a right. million dollars yeah, in okay. Australia. And then at the top, you've got um, Lanetto, who's this Swiss foundry who charge a lot for their beautiful work. Yeah. Um, but, in, yeah, in no, in no circumstance would I recommend Defont for anything yeah <laughs> really yeah okay oh great resource for inspiration on typography is um and particularly in the web space is type wolf i don't know if you've uh, rings a bell that. yeah it just like provides a summary of what's most popular okay in web typography at the moment right right um and often has links to you know Direct links to the the typefaces. Yeah, okay. But it, but it's great for seeing examples of different fonts working yeah, together and, yeah, and how yeah. like this one contrasts really well with this one. Mm-hmm. Or... Yeah, and I think yeah, there's quite a few websites I think that have sort of a like a font finding website, and it's about matching two types of fonts. And you can um, I think there's even um, bookmarklets or or um, Chrome extensions where you can say, okay, I want to see this website in these two fonts instead. And you oh, can actually right. sort of be like, okay, yeah, cool. Let's see the headings in this and the That's body cool. in this and try things out. Yeah. Yeah. Another another sick tool just on that um, 
if you're on a website and you're like, this this combo is beautiful, mm-hmm. which I'm obviously, you know, experiencing frequently. <laughs> There's uh, Fontanello, F-O-N-T-A-N-E-L-L-O. Uh-huh. That's like a little plugin you can install onto your browser that allows you to like right-click on any kind of example of type on a website, like drag it down a bit. Or go through their menu and you can see what the point size is, what the weight is, what the typeface is, and you can yeah, cool. identify it straight away. Another one uh-huh. I think is, um, oh, it's escaped me, but Fontanello works really well. Yeah, cool. Fount yeah. is the other one, F-O-U-N-T. Right. Oh, hey, and did you hear um, the .dev domains came out the other day? So you can buy like something, something .dev? No. Yeah, and so oh, a bit of a developer joke, but... You know W three schools, right? The, yeah. Yes, and that's a classic thing. Whenever you're googling something, you'll you'll find W three schools. And probably over the past five ten years, people have started hating W three schools because it's so. Well, some of the examples are just kind of not good and not applicable anymore. Or? Yeah, just doing things a bad way, a lazy way. They're not that contextual. So it's sort of right. you know, there's just not a great resource. As opposed to Stack Overflow. No, as, as opposed to MDN, the right. Mozilla Developer Network. MDN, yeah. Um, which is What's the admi- difference between like MDN and and W three schools and and Stack Overflow? Yeah, so I guess W three schools and MDN, what at their core, they're sort of um, their documentation for yeah. certain functions or um, things or document API documentation. Um, some of it's around CSS, some of it's around JavaScript, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But W three schools is more accessible. Probably it's less technical. Um, it, it does have examples that are easy, but it's quite old, and I think that's sort of the problem. Whereas MDN is definitely more technical, and it can be a little sort of hard to comprehend sometimes, especially if you're not used to reading documentation like that. Um, but their documentation is um, is really good, and, and the examples are really good, and they have – it's just a bit more thorough. Yeah, cool. Um, but, yeah, but since the .dev domains came out, whoever it was bought w3schools.dev and has just redirected that to MDN. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> so funny, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, then you check mdn.dev and it's just MDN. Yeah. <laughs> they they jumped on that pretty quick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you'd hope so. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, it was a pretty crazy scramble for everybody to start, like, buying there because that just came out recently. It was cheap as well. I think Google had a hand in buying the, the, the rights to it or something. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but it's still very cheap. Like, a lot of those specialty domains are quite expensive, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but .dev is still pretty cheap um, and so it was a crazy – rush for everybody to start buying, you know, like first name, last name, .dev and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice for it to remain cheap because it entails that it's for testing, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. So I don't think it will. I think it'll be more like a .io or a .tech domain where it's more this is about developer stuff. Right. That's what I envision it. Because what actually used to happen was prior maybe a year ago maybe, um, a lot of people were running local environments on their computers with a domain name something.dev to indicate that it was a development yeah. thing. Right, yeah. Well, that's what I associate with <clears throat> straight off my Exactly, head. yeah. And so that had been happening forever. And then about a year ago, some sometime in the, in the past, Google started issuing a warning on Chrome saying that um, if a .dev domain wasn't secure, if it didn't have HTTPS, it was throwing an error saying you shouldn't be using this. Mm-hmm. And so that was a precursor, basically, for them to eventually buy that real dem- that the dot dev rights yeah, right, and sell right. it on. So they got people off that, and they started pushing people. Well, I don't know if they push people or they told them or not. 
but everybody went to .test instead now. So local de- development environments, if you've got multiple of them, obviously you can't just use localhost, you've got to use something .test um, or something .dev, but yeah, everybody's moved to .test now. And then now Google's just released, oh, hey, like we sell .dev domains now. <laughs> yeah. So, Remember yeah, how we said, uh, get off that? Yeah, get back on. Yeah, exactly right. On yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, cool. All right, well, so what do you reckon the sort of main points of this talk were then? The little nugs. Avoid the font. Avoid the font. Or, better Sauce. yet, if you don't avoid the font and you know a good use for it that's not putting it in the bin. Hit me up. <laughs> we need but, some, yeah. But truthfully, I don't want it just to be a diss track <laughs> against the font. Like, consider other options, perhaps, <laughs> such as Google Fonts, if there's no budget. Very diplomatic of you. Yeah, well, I mean, look. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Okay, no defont, step one. <laughs> How about you? Is there a nug on your side? Um, yeah, I think... Probably the the big takeaway, especially from a developer perspective, is when thinking about things like, oh, do I use at font face to get my fonts or do I use at import or do I link it in the HTML and worrying a lot about that kind of stuff. It's it's a bit of a premature op- optimization, right? Like it's one of those things where you could spend that 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it might be on something else that's way more relevant, has way better um, payoff and just makes you a bit more sane. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, a nug that's definitely risen to the surface for, for me or it's come out in front is consider licensing early and, yeah. and often because every typeface, well, every font, every cut has a different kind of consideration mm-hmm. um, and it would be such a shame to get to the final stage of a branding process to realise that that font isn't actually available as a web, web font yeah, or... Yeah. You know, you're gonna have to ask your client to pay a thousand bucks, or you're gonna have mm. to cover it yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to know what the best free resource is when you're starting out, mm. but it's like if if you want to just keep it clean, use Unsplash for your images 100%. and Google Fonts for your type, yeah. and you can still create beautiful stuff. Exactly right. Yeah, it's not dependent on yeah. 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 Um, but it's hard to know what the best entry point is mm. off the bat. But I'd say those are two great free you know, stress-free kind of yeah. resources for really you could create whole whole sites. Definitely. And I think, you know, that, that's probably the big nug really of the episode, isn't it? What's that? <laughs> Those two resources. Yeah. Just Unsplash un- and Google. Unsplash and Google fonts. Yeah. Like, I mean, goddamn. If you want to look at some beautiful uh, foundries <laughs> and spend a lot of money, then... Yeah, see the show notes because we'll be here t- for 60 let's, years. Let's have a chat off now. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. All right, cool. Well, thanks uh, all for listening. Um, this has been Divine. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually plan that. Sounds Very stupid. Good. Yeah, cool. Um, and hopefully, uh, catch you next week. Yeah, thanks for listening. Cheers.